Real Impact is the podcast of Performance Development Group of Malvern, Pennsylvania. In each episode, we talk with colleagues and experts about the talent development challenges facing business today. My name is Rich Mesh, and welcome to Real Impact. Coaching is one of the most important tools a leader has. But in today's increasingly virtual world, how can we be sure we are coaching effectively? PDG Managing Partner Dave Manning discusses that topic with Michelle Brady, Vice President of Global Talent Development at Wex Incorporated. Well, hello. My name is David Manning, and I'm the managing partner of Performance Development Group. Today, we're discussing giving feedback and coaching conversations in a virtual environment with Michelle Braden. Michelle is the vice president of global talent development at WEX. She also served as the chief learning officer of TELUS International, building an award-winning learning team of 500 people. Prior to that, a senior director of global learning development at SAP. Michelle is a certified executive coach and has been working at the executive level for over 15 years, almost all of them working virtually. So a perfect person to really be learning about uh, coaching and feedback in, in a virtual environment. So thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Michelle, what are the biggest challenges with feedback and coaching that, that you typically see? The biggest challenges that I see are, one is fear. So a lot of leaders are afraid of hurting people's feelings, or they, they're afraid of getting too personal, or quite frankly, they just don't know how to coach. They don't know what to do, you know, the methodology. So they just avoid it altogether. Other one is, oftentimes, managers believe the only time they need to give feedback is when it's constructive feedback. So it's something that needs to be improved rather than giving feedback about the positive stuff too. So I think that's another challenge is focusing too much on one side so that it's almost like when you go to the principal's office, oh, here comes the manager. I've done something. <laughs> so you don't want to you know, do that, but that, that is a challenge with some leaders. And then another one is timeliness. So oftentimes leaders will wait to give the feedback. They don't want to do it right then for some reason. They're too busy or whatnot. And so they wait. Too much time passes. And then it's really not as valid. I mean, it, it, you lose the specificity of what you're actually trying to help the, the individual with. And then the last one is they talk more than they listen. Instead of listening and trying to understand what's going on or what the insights are of the other person, they're talking and telling and solving the problem. So it's not really feedback. It's more direction. Those are the top ones, really. There's a lot of different challenges, but those are the top ones, I think. I think the concept of, of fear in there plays almost into all the other ones that you, you mentioned. If, if they are feared, they might hold off on giving the, the feedback right away because they want to think it through more, they want to feel comfortable, and, and then the time has passed. And, and I think that, that is a, a really important point that you're making there. Do you think that if people did focus in on giving as much feedback around the positive as they did the negative, because that's a great point, right? Sometimes people just come in, they, they, they're trying to focus on where they can prove instead of celebrating, hey, this is where you're already strong. Let's see more of that from you. You're doing a great job. Thank you for that. That seems like almost a, a, an easier way to get used to coaching because uh, you're coaching around the positive than the negative. Is that is that a good technique to use to, to kind of maybe conquer that fear? Well, it is. It also builds trust. So hmm. it builds a relationship and trust with the individual. I think it's important though, when you talk about the positive versus the negative is not to do the sandwich effect. So hmm. 
me say something positive, something negative, something positive. Right. And that just, that's really not, that doesn't work, sets people up. So I think it's just important to just balance out the feedback. It, there shouldn't be a reason why you wait till once a year to give feedback or once a quarter to give feedback. It, it could be a daily or weekly thing when you're using positive as well. Now that we understand a little bit about the challenges around coaching and feedback, what's different about doing this in a virtual environment? How do those play out a little differently, maybe, in a virtual environment? I mean, you're virtual. Hopefully, you're on video. You can do it on phone, too. And then in the past, before video, I was giving feedback on the phone. It was a little more difficult in that I couldn't see any body language. So I couldn't see Mm. how the person was reacting. I couldn't see their face. Were they even listening to me? I couldn't even tell that. But now that we have virtual, we have video, we can see that and we can get some feedback ourselves on how that person is receiving the feedback from us. And so I think that's really important is to keep your body language in mind. Another thing about virtual is the timeliness. Again, it's a challenge, period. But in virtual, I think it's even more of a challenge because, you know, you can't like in the office, you can just stop by someone's office and say, hey, got a minute. And then, you know, chit chat and give your feedback or whatever. In virtual, you really have to plan the time and you really have to make sure that you are setting time aside for you to focus. So what I often do is just set up like a 30-minute quick connect with somebody. I don't mm-hmm. say what it's about. I just say quick connect. I do this all the time. So they don't know if I'm giving going to give them constructive feedback or just tell them about a new project or what it is. So that way I don't scare them. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I set time that time. And then we just, we give the feed, I give the feedback then and we talk. I just did this yesterday. And so it worked out really well. I mean, it's just, I I actually prefer virtual myself. I don't know why, but I prefer virtual maybe because that's what I'm used to. The other thing is I mentioned that it, you know, you need to be focused. So you don't want to have, you don't want to be multitasking. You really need to be focused on that individual so you can listen and hear what they're saying. So all in all, there's there's one other point I want to make is that I have worked for managers who do not like to give virtual feedback. They want to do it when mm-hmm. they're face-to-face. In fact, this one manager I had in the past, I only saw her two or three times a year, and she was so busy when we saw each other that I typically didn't get any feedback. So she didn't want to give it to me on the phone, didn't want to give it to me video-wise, so it was pers- face-to-face, which didn't happen. So did I get feedback? No. I think your your point around video on and being able to see body language and, and, and kind of mannerisms is, is so critical. And I couldn't uh, agree with you more on that. As, as you're having these conversations, especially a difficult conversation, context is so critical. And so the ability to leverage this type of technology to, to make sure that uh, nothing's getting lost and that they're able to really kind of you know, read the situation and coach properly is a, is just a great point. Certainly there's more to it. And team members often gauge their behaviors based on what they see their leaders do. So the next topic would be, how can you ensure you're leading by example? How can you be a really good role, role model to pull through those optimal behaviors that you're looking to see in, in leadership? One of the things I tell people is that being a leader is a little bit like parenting in that your team members or your children, as a matter of fact, are typically mirrors of you. If you're not managing your emotions or your behaviors, they're not going to either. I think that's one of the key things leading by example is 
leading the, you know, acting the way that you want others to act and leading the way for them, showing them what it looks like when you're professional or you're patient or you're listening or giving good feedback. I think the other thing is you need to always demonstrate that you have the best intentions in mind. And then on the other hand, you also need to assume good intentions. One of the things I've always told my team is, especially when they come and complain about somebody, is let's assume good intentions here and let's take it from that vantage point. And I can't tell you how much that has improved the way my team members act. And I mean, just that simple little guidance is almost like feedback, but it's really had a huge effect. And I think another thing is to be positive And when you're giving feedback or even when you're talking or when you're associating with anybody in a meeting, whatever, is always to remain positive and demonstrate that you have the best interests in mind of the company, of your team, of others that you come into contact with, and just behave that way. And then I'd also say you need to support your team no matter what. You need to help them find the way forward. I don't think it's the role of a manager to berate people when they're not doing things correctly. I think it's important that we are supportive and rather than managing, we should support. And so that's really one of the things that I think helps a team perform at a higher level. And then the final thing that I can think of is that I've had people come to me giving me feedback that someone else gave them about something I did. And what I do is I tell them, unless that person wants to come to me and talk to me about it, I'm not going to even consider it. I consider that triangulating. For example, I've had people come to me and complain about someone else on the team or someone in another department. And I've said, have you given them that feedback? Well, no. Well, go give them that feedback and work it out with them. And if you can't get anywhere, then both of you come to me and then we'll talk. Let's move to what to do and what we're better off of avoiding. Uh, Hit on some of the do's and don'ts, so to speak, of, of coaching and feedback. So one of the things I think you should do is always remember the goal. Like you are there to help the individual move forward. You're not, you're, it's not there to show how much you know or just be judgmental. You're not there for that. You're there to help the individual move forward. One of the things I learned several years ago when I went through situational leadership from Ken Blanchard, this has been over 10 years ago, I remember learning about diagnosing whether or not the individual was, they knew how to do something or they were just, or they were just learning. So if they're just learning, you want to give them more support and, and management. So, you know, directing them and supporting, guiding, things like that. If they were already equipped to do it, but maybe they'd lack confidence, you're going to give them some more support about, you know, reminding them or, you know, or even delegating. So you don't, you want to avoid either overmanaging or undermanaging and make sure you're doing the appropriate one for the appropriate situation. That's one thing. And then the other thing is, and I'm going to say this kind of controversial, is to stop asking why. You know, why is a great question, and Simon Sinek was valid in saying that it's a good question for businesses to ask why, but it's not, it has no place in coaching. You shouldn't be asking someone, why did you do this, or why do you do that? It puts people on the defensive, and it also indicates that you're really trying to solve their problem, and that's not the point of coaching. Coaching is to help them get to the point of solving their own problem. I think also you want to be respectful and keep the person's dignity intact. I always say to my team, err on the side of compassion. I mean, you never know what somebody's going through. So even though you're giving them feedback on something, it could be 
something else that's causing this either this bad behavior or this lack of performance or whatever it is. So err on the side of compassion and try very hard not to make the person feel bad. I mean, I've given feedback to people who've walked away and said, wow, I didn't even really feel like I was getting feedback. I feel better about what I need to do now. And so I think that's how you need to you need to leave it. You don't want people leaving feeling horrible about themselves. Another thing is to be patient because it takes time to change behavior. So try not to get impatient with that. Give people space and time to make those changes that need to occur. That's a great list. Let's touch on the why a little bit more, because to me that it's such a natural, you'd go right there, right? And and to say, hey, look, this behavior was off. Why? Tell me more about that. But you're right. You're starting to put the spotlight on the negative. You know, really, let's focus in on why you did this thing wrong, that rather than really trying to pull through from them, how would they do things differently going forward and, and supporting that and coaching them in the right direction there. But how do you lead through those conversations without going to why? Because it is such a natural place to go. Well, you know, you have to think through it because it is natural to just say, why did you do that? But you can start the question with what could you have done differently or what what are your ideas for how we can do this differently in the the next time instead of the interrogative why. And uh, I, I heard something just recently from a negotiator that an interrogator in the military who said, never, ever ask why, because you always put the person, the suspect on defense. And you don't want that. So you want to make them feel comfortable. And when he said you want to make them feel comfortable, that really spoke to me because I think that's the whole point in these sessions that you have. If the person is uncomfortable, it's not going to go well. You need to help them feel that way. That's great insight. Uh, And the idea of of connecting with a negotiator and getting some tips there, I think is awesome because who better than to, to figure out how to how to make sure these these types of sometimes challenging conversations go very, very smoothly. And so I love the idea of, of, of making them feel comfortable and, and really not focusing on the why. Let's then pivot to the final uh, topic for us. But one that I think that we're all asked all the time by our leaders at times, and, and, a, and a really tough one sometimes to, to nail down, but a great one for conversation, that is, what are some ways that you can measure the impact of coaching? And how do you measure as the company's really putting an investment into leadership, into better coaching and feedback? How are you measuring the impact and seeing those outcomes? So I'm going to answer this with depends. It really depends. What are you coaching on? So are you coaching on tactical skills? that you can then measure the impact through maybe KPIs or something like that? Or are you coaching on behavior improvements? So in my past, I've done both. And in the in my last role in the call center business, we had a lot of tactical skills that we were coaching on. And we could quickly measure the quality of service and some of the other KPIs. Yeah. And so you see that result right away and you can measure the impact. But on behavior changes, in behavior improvements, it takes longer. And so you, you need to ensure that you are patient about it and you watch to see, did their performance improve? Did you see them act on the feedback? Did you see a change in behavior? You're not going to get like a scorecard on behavior changes, but you will be able to look down the road at did the performance improve of that individual. The other thing is, I think measuring on measuring impact, one of the things I think is really difficult for leaders is that leaders who are uncomfortable, by the way, with giving feedback and coaching is that they'll tell somebody, they'll give someone feedback on something that needs to be improved. And then instead of giving the person the opportunity to try it again, they take it away from them. 
and they just do it themselves. Yeah. And it's much easier for me to get this done. And I had a manager in the past who I remember when I was early on in my career, I was trying to learn a lot. And she didn't like the way that I did some of these documents that she she assigned to me. So when I sent them to her for review, instead of getting them back with, here's some things that we should improve, think about this, blah, 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 she would just do it. Yeah. And I finally, actually, I gave her feedback. So it's okay <laughs> to give your boss feedback. That's great. And it's several times. And I gave her feedback. And I said, you know, it would really help me if you could give that, your your thoughts to me, like, what did I miss? Or what were you, you know, what was the end result you yeah. were looking for? And let me try it. Let me see if I can do it. And then give me some more feedback on how I can improve that. And she did. Yeah. And I don't think I'd be where I am today if she hadn't done that. That's a great story. You know, I, I did work with a peer at one point in time, and, and they were very much the doer. You know, that when something was broke, they just kind of push them aside and get in and redo it. And it would come out perfect. It really would every time. But their entire team would leave after a while because they never felt like they were getting developed and they weren't feeling like they were able to get to a point that was successful. So I think that's a, a really, really great point and a great method to, to how to provide coaching feedback and making sure that it's the person that's getting developed and doing things better each time and not you. The whole point of coaching is to help people develop and improve. So I've had, I, I remember I had a team in the past where they were very, very junior and very green. And it was hard for me to not want to do everything for them. Our projects took a lot longer to get done, but they learned a lot in the process. And then over time, they started getting faster and faster and faster to where I didn't even have to have any input into the work they were doing. So it, it pays, it's like an investment, so it pays off. Oh, that's, that's great insights. That's great insights. Thank you. And, and certainly you're going to see things like retention and engagement there. It's more than just the coaching and feedback, but clearly those are things that are going to help in, you know, increase engagement, increase retention is, is when they're having that, that solid relationship there with their manager and the ability to be developed and, and coaching. And you know, the old saying that people leave, leave managers, not companies, don't, it's, the saying is nails, people leave when they don't have development opportunities versus just the manager. And so this is all part and parcel is those managers need to be developing those teams through the coaching and feedback in order for them to, to really feel engaged. Thank you for giving us your, your insights and, and your coaching. Any tips on peer-to-peer coaching? I love peer-to-peer coaching. Love it. I think one of the things that's great about peer-to-peer coaching is that if you make an agreement on peer-to-peer coaching that you're both working on something, then you can give each other feedback and you can watch for cues. I remember one team I was on where I was I was a peer coach to another woman and we would do this like tug on the ear when we did the thing we were trying to improve. And you know, just little signals like that and and it really helped you kind of keep in check rather than waiting for your manager to tell you something. So I think it's, it's a safer environment too. It feels safer anyway, because they're not doing your performance review. So, yeah. and they, and you know, they're your peer, they want you to succeed too. Uh, and as you said, because it's not a performance review, it can be a little bit more of a, a, a less pressure type conversation, more one-to-one, like, hey, let's sit down, let's together work through this, talk it through, hopefully a, a little bit more of an actual safe environment because it's, it'd be a little less formal. Well, the other thing is it kind of goes along with what Brene Brown talks about too is vulnerability. So if you have a peer coach and you're both working on something, you can be vulnerable with one another. A follow-up to the sandwich uh, approach you mentioned. So many people are taught the sandwich feedback approach. 
positive, negative, positive. Could you share a bit more about why this approach is not the most effective? You know, the sandwich approach has been around for a really long time. And since the one minute manager back in the 80s, and people know about it. So I think if, if someone doesn't know about it, you might be able to get away with it. But when I hear somebody saying something positive, it's almost like it's a sandwich approach. They usually will look for something positive. So it's not like they caught you doing something positive. It's like they're trying to think of something that they can say positive and then hit you with the negative. Yeah. And so you know it's coming. It's, it's like the one-two punch. And so I think that's, that's one of the reasons why it's, it's just not a good technique. It's just yeah. not a good technique. That being said, you still need to leave the person feeling positive. So you have to frame your feedback in a way that is constructive and is helping that person. Mm-hmm. And you can do that without this, this artificial front and back positivity. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us and providing us your guidance and wisdom around feedback and coaching. My pleasure. Real Impact is produced by Performance Development Group. For more information on us, please visit our website at www.performdev.com.